Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis, and I'm just your typical Spike. On the line with me, my good buddy, executive producer, and color coordinated with the standard scene <laughs> in Magic the Gathering, wearing all black, my good buddy and producer extraordinaire, Cameron McCoy. Dude, how you doing? I'm good, man. Uh, can I talk really quick about uh, growing out your hair post-40? Is it a good thing? Like, how, how far are we talking about here? I don't know. I mean, we're just going to... I, I feel like I haven't had a lot long hairs. I haven't had long hair since, like, the 90s. And I kind of want to bring it back. Uh, I <laughs> I think you should consult your wife. Um, yeah, she's not a fan. Yeah. Do what, do what she wants, man. Because, like, yeah. I got to be honest with you... Um, that's gonna that's gonna be your key to success there. Like, <laughs> if she's unhappy with your look, then the world you're probably yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, your wife seems like uh, maybe willing to keep things not sugar coated for you. That's true. And I There's... appreciate that about her. <laughs> um, dude. So pretty abbreviated show. There's not a lot in the way of news. Um. There is a lot of standard to talk about. Uh, I'm sure, like you, like me, you're kind of holding off on Explore and Pioneer till we get kind of into the the doldrums of this set. But right now, it's just super fresh. There's a lot to talk about. Um, last week, we had done a little bit of limited touch base with standard. Now you're kind of all in on standard. What's been your experience? Yeah. Um, so far. I mean, I think it's just because it's fresh and it's new. I have been enjoying my time with Standard. But um, I feel like there's some work to be had with Standard. Um, mm. Liliana, not unplayable. Totally, an e like, there's ways to deal with her. Um, but it's just everywhere, everywhere where, I mean, it's like one of the best things you can be doing. Um I guess my summation from last week was like, yeah, she seems okay. I think she's still okay, but it's like you have to be playing her, and she's in certain contexts and matchups, she's incredible, like as she should be, right? So there's that. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to some actual legit real tournaments to happen, see where the innovations are going to be happening. Because like right now I feel like it's like, well, you're going to be playing – Liliana because she's great. Fable the Mirror Breaker because it's great. And maybe, you know, two weeks from now, that's still going to be the case. But I'm interested to see what other innovations are actually going to be happening. Um, so this week, I have been playing quite a bit of standard. I am out of like all my wild cards. So there's certain things that I'm just not able to get enough of, specifically the Raven Man um in some of the um the newer lands i'm just kind of slowly trying to build my gold to in, in order to buy more packs in order to you know buy more wild cards uh so right now the the best option i have is actually this weird mardu build a mardu mid-range build that i have which is running obnixilis liliana fable and mirror breaker it's essentially the black red version the only difference is is that i'm running um um, the white splash to add like a single wedding announcement, which is just trash and I need to get rid of it. Um, but then I'm able to put things like Wandering Emperor in and Archangel of Wrath and then some really good just removal spells um, that I think are pretty good with, with a splash of white. So um, Wandering Emperor 
still, I think one of the better things you can be doing, flashing that in in order to like get rid of a Liliana, like like after their turn, after they've swung or whatever, is huge. It's really, really good. Um, and then, dude, Archangel of Wrath. I know we reviewed this card. I love this card. Like, I think uh, just being able to, because it, it happens all the time, especially with Fable and Mirror Breaker, and being able to have treasure tokens, um, you can you, you can activate the two kickers very easily, deal four damage to the face or just to a random creature. Uh, it It's a really, really, really good card. I, I, I love this, and this is the type of card that I want to build decks around because I think it's just so interesting, good, unique, and... Um, yeah, it's totally like what I want to be doing with a with a mono white card, I guess. Um, so yeah, that's essentially what I've been doing. I'm trying to get to the black red deck because I think black red is the best way to be where you should be going right now. But um, in the meantime, splashing white um, mana base is okay. It's not perfect, but um, there's there's enough that I can do where I'm missing I don't feel a like, triland. Right? I'm missing like, the triland. Big... Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, Jund, Esper, Grixis. Like I mean, those decks are going to be just better because you have the trilands. Yeah, uh, to your point, the big blank spot for me is the Jun deck. I'm seeing that it's putting up results. I have yet to play against it. I don't know why that is, but I still haven't. And then I like, hey, let's see where we're at in terms of wild cards on that one. And I was miles away. So yeah. that's going to be one. That's going to be an aspirational build for me. <laughs> um, whereas the I'm pretty well set on I have all the Esper stuff. Black-Red, I'm pretty sure I'm good on. I'm trying the Black-White deck right now because I have all those cards. Um, dude, I, I'm kind of like level 5-6 concerned about Standard right now. Mm -hmm. Okay? Um, it kind of feels like there's a very clear delineation between what you should and shouldn't be doing. Mm -hmm. And like I alluded to like at the beginning of the show... Black as a color right now is just so much stronger than everything else that you kind of find yourself needing a rationale to play these other colors, right? Um, it's really noticeable with Esper, like how little blue you're playing because blue is so weak right now. Mm. Um, and, you know, I would argue that Fable of the Mirror Breaker might be the best card in standard, but it's like the. The reason that you're in red, everything else is kind of like at replacement level or maybe a little bit above. Like Blood Tithe Harvester has these kind of like random upside moments, mm -hmm. but then there's also matchups where it's like, I mean, incredibly average, uninteresting, mm -hmm. not great, right? Um, I got to be honest with you, Corpus Appraiser is the one that as this format has gone on, has impressed me more and more and is kind of the reason to be in Grixis versus Black Red. The problem that you're going to run into is that third color really costs you a lot in terms of mana base. Even if there is a Tri-Land, if you don't have any kind of acceleration and, you know, this is a classic magic problem. If you're a three-color deck and you miss a land drop, like especially turn three, turn four, it can really affect the the tone of that game whereas two color decks tend to rebound from that kind of thing a little bit better um it's really notable to me that there is no control deck and i don't know what the solution is 
but it just seems like Black Red is so equipped to deal with everything that and is just generating so much natural card advantage. Even something in that matchup that's bad, like the aforementioned Blood Tithe Harvester, you're still just generating so much like actual material that a control deck really doesn't have access to, right? Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of really great over-the-top stuff. Now, what I'm willing to bet is down the line, that is going to be some kind of artifact deck once we get a set or two into this standard because Karn kind of looks like trash right now. <laughs> um, but if you read that card, it's like, um, this seems like it's going to have some kind of support as we move forward. But right now, I find myself quickly getting uninterested in this standard. Yeah. I really want to just not play mono black or black red. But if we've got our honest hats on, boy, does that feel like the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, and even something like the Raven Man. Let's just pick on that card. Yeah. There are a lot of standards where that card would be unplayable unplayable but black is so strong that you are just looking for a replacement replacement level two mana rare Mm -hmm. right but like again and i'm even struggling coming up with a standard where that would have seen play besides this one right so we've kind of powered everything down but then black has been kind of powered up and it's really affected kind of my enjoyment of it now have you been back to dominaria united limited at all I played one more round of sealed, um, and yeah, it continue. Like I like it. I like it a lot. Um, it, it it doesn't wet the whistle the f- way that the original Dominaria did. And sure. this week, I'm going to draft a little bit because I um, I feel like I'm now familiar enough with the set of like, okay, here are the cards that I should be picking on, you know, first three turns right so like uh that that's where i'm at right now i always like to familiarize myself with myself with the set by just opening sealed product first so here's a theory i have that i'm kind of workshopping i'm going to just air it out with you okay i think arena has made limited a worse experience okay Mm -hmm. and here's why there are a multitude of plugins that you can get that a lot of people use that as soon as you open a pack of cards, it breaks down the percentage for who picks what you, that also uses that plugin. It kind of breaks the data down for you, right? Mm-hmm. And so you kind of get into this mode where limited formats get solved really quickly. And for whatever reason, this green domain aggro deck has kind of been the, quote, solve. So the last two drafts I've been in, and I'm, I'm not really killing it on these drafts, but that's fine. Like, mm-hmm. I, again, I've always said the, early, the first two weeks I kind of go through highs and lows. But I find that I am playing against that deck a lot. And because it's like league-style drafting or whatever, and I, I support that. I think that's a good thing. There's no real – you kind of can run into the same deck over and over again mm-hmm. because you're not playing against the people that were at your draft table. And – it's kind of led to a weird sameness factor hmm. for draft that I've never really experienced before. But I watched a, uh, a a drafter on Twitch, and he was forcing domain aggro, like which is like kind of a domain deck, but you use this like two mana uh, root walla. I can't remember these cards' names, but mm-hmm. you know, and then you kind of just cherry pick the dual lands and whatever certain domain cards. 
And then I watched another drafter force it. And then as a consequence, maybe coincidentally, small sample size, et cetera, et cetera, I ran into like three or four decks that were doing that in a row. Mm -hmm. And I just, it's kind of a bummer because I really want to dig it. I mean, I've I've drafted this set more than I've drafted any set in probably since uh, Adventures of the Forgotten Realms. But I wanted I wanted it more, Cameron. I want to like it more, and yeah. it's probably a seven out of ten. Like it's not bad by any stretch of the imagination. It's a good set and a good limited set. But maybe I just need to go to the best of three drafts mm -hmm. to really like get a, more of a full vibe of it. Um, but I've been disappointed on that front. Um, that's, that's a bummer. Yeah, and I've, apparently there are people who at the higher level, so not where I'm at, that it's really common for people to draft a deck, and as soon as they're unhappy with it, they just instantaneously dip, draft another one until they can get... Because I guess there's no penalty for you to do that. Hmm. Um, and so you kind of end up with these people... Well, I mean, the penalty is the buy-in, right? But you still sure. got the cards. Yeah. Um, anyway, so can something really to think about. quick just talk about these, these new Mythic Packs that are available on arena sure. it's like 1300 sure. yes. uh i need more research are you familiar with these at all yeah i actually that's something i know something about okay yeah. so like I, i'm just curious is it like actually worthwhile to spend 1300 gold on that versus a thousand gold for the regular so for you and i probably not mm -hmm. um so what it is is the rare slot is guaranteed to either be a mythic card a rare wild card or a mythic wild card Okay. The reason is there are people that whenever they get to full sets of rare, so let's say you're like three or four drafts a day kind of person. Mm -hmm. The the regular packs basically you were just opening to hope and hope to get a mythic. That all you would get is whatever it is, 30 gems whenever you would reopen your rare because you've already got a playset of everything, but you'd be forced to open them to try and get to the mythics. So this way, if you're in this land of like, you're edging towards a complete set, you can get that. Um, so also, if you're chasing a mythic, I guess it's probably better. That tends to not be the situation for me. Um, this is the first time where I've actually had a lot more rare wild cards than mythic wild cards. Hmm. That, happens, yeah. that hasn't happened to me in a long time. Yeah, yeah. A giant chunk of the time, I have like, you know. Three mythic rare, three mythic wild cards, and one rare wild or something like that. You know, um, just by virtue of me always trying to build mana bases. Um, but yeah, did you end up crafting all the commons and uncommons? I did. I did that this week, and um, I don't know if it's helped me yet, but yeah, I did that. Uh, so I don't know the math, but I can guarantee you, my vault has filled up like a time and a half. Okay. Over the course of a week and a half, so I've been hitting it pretty hard. Uh, but yes, it does. It does actually fill things up faster. So anyway, Cameron, let's get out of this segment. This is kind of our, we'll be doing a metagame analysis. I'll probably try and touch Explorer a little this week mm -hmm. too, to just mm -hmm. kind of mm -hmm. see how much Liliana the Veil vale is just completely wrecking that format and making us pay for ever, ever doubting her. Um, but let's get out of this, come back and talk about what else we've been up to. All right, Cameron. So every once in a while, you surprise me. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And here it says you've been watching She-Hulk, which I've watched an episode. I okay. Mean, I, I keep meaning to go back, but it's one that my family's told me they're, they, they're not interested. So I, I 
kind of just piecemeal it together when I have time. Uh, how many episodes? Are, is it three or four episodes? Are there four episodes in? I think. Yeah. Yeah. So how's it coming for you on that? Uh, you know, good. And the reason I'm going, it's weird because like I sadly have not watched Moon Knight. I did not watch um, uh, Miss Marvel. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to get to those at some point. Did you watch Hawkeye? I did watch Hawkeye. I liked it. Yeah, it was yeah. good. Um, but, you know, I have like this weird affinity for She-Hulk. For some reason, uh, as a kid growing up, when I would pick up Fantastic Four, she was a member of the Fantastic Four at the time when I, like, she was a heavy hitter in, in replacement of the thing. So, like, I have this, like, weird connection. I'm like, oh, I'm familiar with this character and I kind of, I like what she, she represents and what she is and all that. Um, and yeah, so on that front, I really like the character. Um, the, when you have an all digital character, um, you know, no matter what, and like I know there was a lot of kerfuffle surrounding like um, digital artists, like you know how much time they have in order to create these characters, and things can be done correctly and done well. But when you're Marvel and you're just cranking out as much as they are now with a TV show schedule, um, you know things are going to start to fall through the cracks. And there are certain moments in the in especially that first episode where. I mean, it's, you know, they spent their entire budget on this where it's She-Hulk, the Hulk, um, and kind of him training her as far as, like, what it means to be a Hulk. Um, but, man, there's certain parts that just look Shrek, like Shrek. Uh, <laughs> and it's not bad, but, like, it, it does take me out of, like, these, these um, you know, fun little stories. Um yeah, this feels like Marvel meets Ally McBeal uh, as yeah. far as like a TV show. You know, like there's a little like the comedy works to a certain point, I think. Um, and But like this Obi-Wan, there's a lot of like these Disney properties where it's like I feel like these were originally supposed to be a movie and they would have worked a lot better as a two hour movie rather than a six to eight episode run where sometimes they just stretch this stuff out. And it's like. Man, this just get into the editing. Give me a solid story, um, and that's I think where my biggest complaint is. Is like I, I I like the character. I like where they're going with this, and you know, in terms of a comic book, I like the the monthly, the procedural sort of thing. But within terms of like a visual product, I think at the end of the day, I still would rather have um, a movie. That's where I'm at. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I like the first episode of She-Hulk, but I'm kind of that – how to put this? The the things that they're referencing within She-Hulk, like Ali Queen Peel, are just naturally not as much of a me thing as, you know, Hawkeye, which was kind of this more action comedy, mm. like young old – I mean, there was a, da- there, a, a slight bit of like a Lethal Weapon vibe, mm-hmm. you know, like the original – the good one. Um, but there's just that kind of stuff where they're, they're going in different places with these properties and you're going to have various levels of, uh, you know, connection with that. And I, I'm fine with that. My, my high level thing is I thought Moon Knight was more interesting than good, but I really loved it for that. And mm-hmm. there are things, if you were to watch Moon Knight, you'd be like, oh, that moment was really a very Curtis moment, okay. right? Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, there's also more than one like very clear nod to the Brendan Fraser mummy film. And I mean, <laughs> I got to be honest with you, that movie is my kind of trash. Like, I oh, love yeah. that movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, and then Miss Marvel, very strong beginning. And then it kind of tailed off, but it had some good moments. Um, but again, people just kind of have this. If it's Marvel, it needs to be earth-shatteringly amazing, important, or it's terrible. And I yeah. think the internet just kind of leads to that. You know, everything is either amazing or awful, and nothing can ever have, be nuanced in between. Yeah. Nothing can be Dominaria United, you know? Um, <laughs> and She-Hulk she feels very much that. Like, it is yeah. kind of residing somewhere in the middle. Um, that being said, my hopes are way too high for Andor. So... Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <sighs> Then that's it soon too. Good. It looks really good. It, yeah. <laughs> it looks like it looks unlike anything else. Yeah, dude. And it, the more spy intrigue we can get with, like the rebel rebellion and that origin stuff, like just feed me all that, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's what I want, right? All right. So, Cameron, what was your relationship with the Nintendo Super Nintendo Genesis era of Ninja Turtles games? Uh, probably the most highly rented game that I had never owned, but we rented yeah. that a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it, I was listening to a podcast about this, and they had the company on that made this collection. And the original Ninja Turtles is the highest selling third party NES game of all time, like, which blew my mind because it's yeah. a very esoteric, um, not what you would think uh, kind of game. But the Cowabunga Collection collects two arcade games all three nes games two super nintendo one genesis game i think so there's a lot of games here and here's what i'm going to tell you the treatment here is why you're coming to it because some of these games have not aged well mm-hmm. um and some of them are incredibly repetitive especially the arcade ones um and very vi- the arcade ones are are almost like you can't believe how vicious they are in order to steal your quarters but they have collect whoever this company is needs to do all the collections because what they've done is a bunch of quality of life add-ons to the original experience. It's not a remaster. If you want to play the game exactly as it is on your NES, you can do that. Okay. There are options for infinite lives. So you just go into the, as soon as you click on the game, you can say, Hey, I want infinite lives. You can tell where, what level you want it to start on, right? You can turn off slowdown. So a, a bunch of these original Nintendo games were just battled slow down like crazy. You can leave it on if you want that original experience. <laughs> wow. You can just turn it off. Same with Sprite Flicker, which, again, th- I'm, this might sound like I'm in the weeds, but if you were to see it, you'd be like, oh, that mm-hmm. is NES Sprite Flicker. It was really prominent and caused a lot of slowdown issues. So they've removed all that if you just want a super smooth experience. And please, God, would su- other people do this with these games. It is okay to just have a infinite life toggle on these NES games. They are, by modern context, so punishing and so memorization intensive. Like, there is nothing wrong with just giving someone infinite lives in the original Castlevania. That game is... I know some people out there are saying, well, I finished Elden Ring, or I finished Dark Souls. <laughs> Buddy? No, 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 no. No, no, no. No, no, no. They also have a rewind feature in all these games. Um, and... They even have a watch feature, Cameron, so you can just go watch, 
you watch someone play through the game, and then at any point you can just pick up where they're playing and just play from wherever. So you can just like That's get through awesome. a difficult part or whatever. So they have that element of it, and it really celebrates these games. Again, I have a strong affinity because, like you, I played a lot of these. Um, the third Ninja Turtles on NES Manhattan Project, I actually owned, or own still, I, it's back there, but I didn't know it was super rare. Um, hmm. But for a while, that cart was like over $100. It's come down now that this is out. But that was like the only way no, to play yeah. it. You know? Yeah. Um, but whenever you go through these, you kind of realize that the NES and Genesis and Super Nintendo games are actually, they're worse looking than the arcade games, but they're much better experiences. Because the arcade game is just, you are just whacking away at people. There's not a lot of different moves. There's not a new move set. There's none of that. It just looks really good, right? Mm-hmm. I, I was playing it with my son on Infinite Lives, and he was like, like just to get to the arca- through the arcade mode, they actually have a mode where as soon as you hit somebody, they blow up. Hmm. And it still took us like waves and waves yeah, and waves yeah. of dude. Um, but they even have a thousands of pages in this like, you know, you can go back through and look at developer docs, um, sketches. They've pulled a bunch of the original magazine ads. So you can look at the actual game ads from game magazines of the era. Like it is just a really cool celebration of these games and a way that you can kind of in an old man way sit and reflect and enjoy and get that nostalgia thing in a very real way. Like this is the real ads, the real development, the real look of these things. They even have oh, and the original comic book covers. And and so like you can just scroll through the old original comic book covers and stuff like that. So I was I was like hesitant, you know, because sometimes old collections like I have the Contra collection. And it is like, hey, buddy, here's all those Contra games you like. And it's just, that's it. <laughs> just that, and yeah. Yeah, whereas this is, they've done so much good work. And if nothing else, it's the baseline for how these old games should be re-released. So you can actually enjoy them. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, dude, I'll tell you right now, with the original Ninja Turtles, which again is a very esoteric, weird... Like it's a top-down platformer mm-hmm. with where you drive a car and then get into different sewer levels. I just put it on watch mode, and I just had it kind of in the background while I was working in the office, and I could would watch this guy play for a little bit and enjoyed the music. So the it's essentially like an attract mode on an arcade machine. And uh, anyway, it's I, on I would everything just too, right? It's like on yeah, yeah. Okay. We got it on Switch because. Um, my son and I were probably going to play it whenever we're like traveling and we'll just go sideways with the controllers and all that. Yeah. Um, but it's on all the things. And I mean, Cameron, I know you're going to say the only way that you can play it is on a steam deck. And so you really need to buy a steam deck. Exactly. (laughs) If I can get one, but yeah, (laughs) seems like an obvious, uh, solution. Does. Right. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so it, it's it really blew me away. I, I've been playing that and slay the spot, slay the spire. Remember, three years ago, I was like, the Switch really needs to get it together, and now the Switch is like just destroying the other consoles in my <laughs> estimation. So it's weird. It's like if you put games out, I'll be playing them. It's weird. Like I, they that correlation. I wonder if it is actually yeah. a correlation. Yeah, weird, right? Anyway, Cameron, if someone would like to talk to you about. Why you should always pick Donatello in every Ninja Turtles game. Where could they find you? Please, Leonardo, and that's at Cameron underscore McCoy. <laughs> and I am at Curtis Now. Our official show feed is at Spike Feed MTG. We'll check you guys next week. <laughs>